This is What Happens If with Daniel and Jan on Joy. Joy! This is Joy 94.9 and you're listening to What Happens If, the show where we ask a different question each week and tonight we're asking the question, what happens if we rebuild the economy? We are joined by a very special guest, Dr Richard Dennis, Chief Economist at the Australia Institute. And uh, Richard, we've had a text in. Um, the text says, what stood out to me in the quarterly essay was the effect neoliberalism has had, um, has had on us culturally, pushing individualism and this sense of self-interest over everything mm. else. Oh, look, indeed. I mean, neoliberalism is part economic policy, but it's very much a cultural policy. So once upon a time, I'm I'm a bit older than you guys, I'm nearly 50, and when I was growing up, Australia really prided itself on being the land of the sicky and the smoko and the long weekend, and sort of <laughs> slacking off at work was something to be proud of. Oh, good times. And, you know... <laughs> Well, they kind of were. Yeah. Like to cut down tall poppies and there's that famous quote of, you know, uh, Bob Hawke after Australia won the yacht race, the America's Cup, and, you know, he said anyone, any any boss that sacks a worker for not coming to work today is a bum. <laughs> you know, can, can you imagine a Prime Minister, you know, being on the side so visibly of workers and saying, yeah, celebrate today, take the day off, knock your socks off? Well, that's who we used to be. And we're not anymore. Australians now work some of the longest hours in the developed world. We, uh, around half of Australian workers now have no paid sick leave and no paid holiday leave. We, mm. we lead the world in the casualisation of work. Uh, we have incredibly high rates of reliance now on private schools, far higher even than in America. Um, our health system is still very good, but it's nowhere near as universal and freely available as was when I was a kid. So neoliberalism has really trained us, trained us to think that everyone else is out to rip us off. Every, you know, that if we if we have decent income support for people who lose their jobs, we say, oh, we better we better make it really stingy, or everyone will be lazy and be a bludger. Mm. Or if we provided free medicine to people, you know, we're told, oh, you know, you watch, everyone will rip it off. They'll they'll take more medicine than they need. Mm. Well. That's not what used to happen, and it's not what happens in other countries. So neoliberalism has really trained us, uh, not just to feel poor, but it's trained us to not trust our fellow citizens. And, and I think that's a, that's a devastating consequence. And again, we look around the world, it, it doesn't have to feel like that. Mm. So in your, in your quarterly essay, uh, you, you say that we're at a fascinating crossroads and you say that creating and rebuilding our institutions will play a major role moving forward. So here on this show today, we're asking the question, what happens if we rebuild the economy? So we thought, Richard, we're going to cast you in the role of master builder. And I think we should try and sort of get the bricks and mortar set in terms of this task, or at, or at least we can find a sort of an affordable plot of land if that's still possible in Melbourne. <laughs> um, so you make some suggestions in the quarterly essay and I feel like maybe we should just start walking through them to kick us off and just maybe see how far we get with this thing. So the first suggestion you make is a charter of rights. Is that is that sort of a good place to start here? Look, I think so. I mean, my, my big picture point is that the opposite of neoliberal economics isn't left-wing economics or any other economics. The opposite of neoliberalism is an engaged democracy, uh, a community where people feel like their choices are, are respected and recognised. And we, Australia is the only democracy in the world that doesn't have some form of Bill of Rights or Charter of Rights. So every Australian knows that the Americans have got a right to free speech. Well, we don't. 
And, and every Australian knows Americans, when they're arrested, have a right to an attorney. Well, we don't. We don't have a Bill of Rights. We don't have a Charter of Rights. And, and what that means is that if our Parliament wants to introduce a new law that takes a freedom or a right away, they can. There's no check or balance on that. Whereas in America, if you tried to limit free speech or you tried to limit people's right to own an AK-47, then that would instantly be sent to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court would look carefully at the law and, and, and see if the law was consistent with the rights that citizens have. So, yeah, in, in Australia, we've taken away an incredible number of rights of Australians, uh, but there's no there's nothing to stop that because we've never written down exactly what rights we think we're entitled to. You know what sucks about being 30, Richard, is that I feel like I have those rights because I watch American TV. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I feel like I have those rights. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't well, have those rights. Well, it's the vibe, you know. You should Next time you get arrested, you should just try pretending you've got them. Yeah, <laughs> it might work. Next time you get arrested, Yarn, he's yeah, assuming you've been arrested before. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, you should try it. It's terrific. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, democratic education is something else you mentioned, um, and you mentioned even political journalists don't understand Senate preferential distributions. Why is the system so confusing, and how can we better learn about it? Well, it's confusing because we've never been taught it. Um, <laughs> that be why. Yeah. Well, well, again, I, I don't think that's an accident. Mm. You know, a small number of people understand how the system works, and a large number of people have been led to believe the system's broken or the system's corrupt. And mm. uh, and I don't think it is. I think Australia has the, uh, the has great democratic structures in place, but we don't teach kids at school about it. We don't. Uh, our media doesn't teach us about anything. It just makes us angry about things. And uh, it means that we can't really engage effectively in our democracy uh, because because we don't really understand the rules. And, you know, anyone watching sport needs to really know the rules to understand what's going on. Well, I'd say to understand politics, you have to have a sense of the rules. People shouldn't feel stupid for not knowing them. They should feel frustrated that they got through 13 years of school without being taught them. Yeah, and so, um, so let's continue on this journey, rebuilding the economy. So you, you made a comment in the call to the SA2 about... It's something along the lines of, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but economies don't need anything, people need things. So how can we start a conversation about what people need and what, what would that look like if we're, if we're doing a reshape or a rebuild? Oh, look, it's really simple. If, and it's a big if, but if we wanted to deliver uh, for 25 million Australians the things they wanted most, then we obviously we'd have to start by asking them what that was. But we don't do that. We, we tell them what they want. We say, well, you want GDP to grow, don't you? And people kind of stare dumbly and don't want to disagree. So I love GDP. Uh, <laughs> well, but, so for example, one, one way to increase gross domestic product, one way to increase the total amount of stuff we make is for us all to work longer and longer hours. Huh. But working longer and longer hours means having less and less leisure time. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. Now, I don't like that. Well... Well, this is the point. We mm. need to ask ourselves what we want. So the average Northern European, your average Swede or German, is getting six or even seven weeks paid annual leave per year. Ugh. But in Australia, we've got four. Mm. Now, why four? 
well, four. It's, it's more than three. It's less than five. It's We've kind of a month. for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a month. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my point is the idea, like, do you want the economy to grow? Most people will say, oh, I suppose so. But if you ask people, would you rather have 2% more income or an extra week's annual leave? Well, a lot of people would take the holidays. And, and really all I'm saying is this isn't economics. This is just what people want. But in order to avoid asking people what they want, in order to, li- in order to avoid listening to them, we've just told them what they want and we've, we've dressed it up in what I call econobabble. And it just means that most citizens aren't engaged in, in our democratic debates because they feel like they're economic debates they don't understand. And that's great for the handful of people running the debate. But it's terrible for 25 million of the richest people in the world. Yeah, it's it's better. It's be, yeah, it's better for those in power if um, we're we're uninformed as a as a politic, right? I mean, I, I was speaking recently to my brother about um, models of corporations in Europe. I'm sure you've been exposed to them, um, where it's this truly cooperative model. And we were having this big long discussion about that, and that was one of those things where I felt like. If you sort of did hit the reset button and we sort of knew everything we know about what it is to be a good human being and how what the kind of life we want to live in Australia, if you said to a group of people working in a large corporation, you can all have an, inv- an actual investment in this corporation and you will be accountable to that. Or you can all work the same amount of hours you're working now except the share in the corporation is going to go to shareholders and your wages aren't going to increase much at all across the next 20 years. I feel like it would be an obvious choice that the workers would take the cooperative and it feels like that's the kind of thing we can kind of like look at properly. Absolutely. And, and the only thing stopping us is, is, is the low-quality national debates that we keep having about mm. cutting taxes and cutting wages. I mean, let, let me give you an example. During the global financial crisis 10 years ago, uh, I did countless interviews where people said, Richard, if only there was some alternative to the big multinational banks. And I say, what, like credit unions? <laughs> and no, no, something... Something, you know, that everyone invests in and has a share in themselves and it invests back in the community. I'm like, what, like like credit unions? <laughs> no, no, it's got to be harder than that. You know, so, mm. so we do have all of these options in front of us. Anyone who's ever been to uni probably remembers the co-op bookshop. It's a cooperative. It yeah. was owned by, and still is, by its customers. The not-for-profit superannuation funds are all owned by their members. So the kind of things you're describing aren't radical. They mm. even exist here in Australia. Um, but what we need to do... So, so the options exist. But because we've talked so much about the size of the economy, we haven't really had any conversation about the shape. What kind of things do we want more of? What kind of things do we want less of? Because if we want to have more building societies and more credit unions and more cooperatives, we can. We can reshape the economy in that way. And similarly, if we're worried about climate change, if we're worried about uh, the amount of uh, uh, the amount of uh, emissions, the amount of fuel that's used in in, in something like uh, air transport. Well, you know, you can use video conferencing. You can use FaceTime. I love FaceTime. FaceTime's a lot more fun than getting on a plane and sitting by yourself for hours. <laughs> now, when... But here's the thing. When we change our individual decisions, when we decide that we're going to spend a lot of money on coffee, 
you know what we do? We create a huge market for coffee. Far, there's, there's far more people employed in Australian cafes than work in the Australian mining industry. Why? Because we decided we wanted to buy coffee. Mm. Well, if far more people decided to ride a bike to work than drive their car, guess what? It'd be good for the bike part of the economy mm. and bad for the car part of the economy. It's a little vote if you can all, make. Well, if, this is it. Every time you pull money out of your wallet or these days tap your card, you're voting for the things you want more of and the things you want less of. Now, we, we're told we have no choice. We're told we have no power. But when we all decided that videos sucked and DVDs sucked and what we wanted to do instead was download movies uh, via the internet, well, guess what? The video shops went away and, 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 and we got an incredible content online. Yeah, yeah. but I miss the video shops. So, <laughs> yeah, I, do a little bit, I do a little bit as well. <laughs> Well, bad luck. Yeah, yeah. move on, I guess. Yeah. Move on. Every, everyone else agrees they are a bad idea. But my, my, my point is, when we, when we change our consumer patterns, we change the shape of the economy. So when, and, and when we change technologies, you know, all of a sudden we can tap and go, whereas once upon a time we had to pay cash. The economy is getting rebuilt every day. The economy today looks nothing like the economy that I grew up in in the 1970s. And in turn, in 30 years' time, it'll look entirely different again. So we're always building a new economy. We're just haggling over the shape. We're haggling over the distribution. We're haggling over how what the rules for it are going to be. But the one thing that we won't have in 30 years' time is an economy that looks like today's. Whether we look more like Sweden or more like America, that's a big choice. Well, whether Richard, or not, sorry, go on. Sorry, you continue, well, please. Whether, well, well, there's no right answer, but mm. the, the, there's one wrong answer. It won't keep looking like this. Um, Richard, it's just so fascinating. There's so much more we, we could, could talk just, to you no, about. No. Uh, we have, do have to wrap it up. Uh, Dr. Richard Dennis, Chief Economist at the Australia Institute and author of uh, the quarterly essay, Dead Right, How Neoliberalism Ate Itself and What Comes Next. Get Thank, you. Copy. Thank you so much for joining us on What Happens If. Thank you very much.